1777. Black resistance pulls a neon mask over his face, drapes himself in feathers, and starts answering to the name Carnival. Runs around Trinidad, burning plantations to the ground, using the sugarcane shards as drumsticks, calls this rhythm religion. Hello and welcome to Just Talk, Educational Equity, the podcast about social justice and how it relates to everything education. I'm your host, Tony Neal. And I'm Deborah Bowman, today's co-host. To lead off, we're listening to a spoken word performance by Aaliyah Bradshaw from Youth Speaks, a Golden State Warriors game, as part of that organization's recognition of Black History Month in February of 2017. It is 1881 and Trinidad bans the use of drums at Carnival. Black Joy is off working on an oil rig when he hears the news for the first time. Looks into the sea to see his reflection but finds the only valuable black thing to be the oil spilling. Turns oil drum into steel pan and names one note after every ante. One for every woman who taught him God. It is 2007 and black history looks like my brother. And we drive with the windows down. And we pull up like two trumpet cloud roll back, second coming done came in a Honda Accord. And he calls it the golden whip because big brothers always got cool names for things. Calls me strong, calls me beautiful. And it's the first time a black man says that to me. And suddenly, we, we are, are the music. music. We be bass so bursting the subwoofer howls like a feral dog picking its teeth with white bones. And we hear our history lisping in the hiss of the hi-hat. And for a moment, we rock and we rock until the seats be vessel and we ain't drowning no more. You can find the link to see Aaliyah Bradshaw and Youth Speaks in their performance at that game on our website, eecforjustice.com. Youth Speaks is an organization based in the Bay Area in California committed to developing and supporting young writers. As they put it on their website, Youth Speaks has long championed a local, national, and increasingly global movement of young people picking up pens and stepping proudly onto stage ages, declaring themselves present. You can find a link to that organization at our website also. I really liked that poem because it was an example, especially occurring at a Golden State Warriors game during halftime, of a really creative and positive way of celebrating Black History Month. Yeah, I bet it was a lot of conversation after she recited that poem. I, I was just visualizing her reciting that poem and the conversation that could transpire after that. Right. She really talked about a past in a way that was relevant to her and her history and then brought it into her present. And I think that's what the best study of Black History Month can do. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It kind of reminds me of just truth-telling, and I think we need to invite our young people to tell their truths a lot more. So often we cut them off or we want to give them what we think their reality should be. But uh, just inviting them to tell their truth and to share their truth is very meaningful. And we can uh, gleam a lot from that. Absolutely. So um, thank you to Aaliyah. And I hope you'll take a look at uh, that video on our website and that connection because there's a whole series of uh, performers there. And she is just the first in a line. So, Deb, I know that you have been on this journey for quite some time, and I'm sure that you have uh, had some struggles along the way or met with some challenges. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about what has been some of your challenges? Well, as a white person doing this work, it 
took me a very long time to recognize that I was functioning out of white privilege. And um, that has been something that I've really tried to recognize in myself. So trying to look at what it means to be a white person in partnership with people who are of color. Um, I grew up with uh, people of color in my family. And so that partnership always felt really natural to me. And I've always felt close and connected to people of color. But I didn't really recognize until, you know, the past 10 years or so what it meant for me to be a white person in that relationship. And so I spent a long time thinking about identities of people of color as a partner, but I hadn't really recognized what it meant for them to partner with me. And so I've, I've tried to be honest with myself and humble about my role and uh, sort of where I need to go and spend more time um, listening and um, trying to learn how about you, Tony? What have been your struggles? Yeah, well, you know, trying to figure out, for me, some of my struggles is trying to figure out if people op are operating from a place of struggle or if it's resistance. You know, if it's struggle, I can understand and I can work with you and I, I have a greater tolerance uh, for you on this journey. If it's resistance, I find myself being impatient because uh, I'm operating out of a sense of urgency. So that's kind of been my struggle, just trying to gauge individuals as I'm on this journey and as I have encounters with individuals as to where they are on a continuum and what do I make of where they are on the continuum as to how I approach or engage with individuals. I really appreciate that about you because I can see that explains your patience with me sometimes when I look back <laughs> at a conversation with you and I'm like, dang, that was stupid. And I've sent you more than one apologetic email and uh, you have just listened so patiently and I, I appreciate that. I realize you're, you know. Well, I so appreciate your me. work on the journey. You've been on the journey for some time and it's great to have you as a colleague and a co-worker and uh, just working on this podcast together. I just enjoy working with you, and I, I just appreciate what you do. So well, thank you. Thanks, Tony. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's hard work and hard work, as you've told us, but it's also fun. So we're going to have a little fun right now okay. in our episode with Black History Month. Great. So the deep dive, uh, the subtitle on this episode is Black History Month. Is it a tool of white supremacy or does it center black experience? Um, and so, of course, we know that answer is yes. Most either or questions, you should answer yes, because both these things can be true at the same time. And we are going to make two arguments today in this episode, one for each position, and give listeners a chance to reflect on your own practices related to Black History Month and think about ways we can all deepen our students' experience around this annual commemoration. But before we go there, we're going to uh, start with some background on Black History Month. 
and of course, how do we assess prior knowledge? But we do a pop quiz. Oh, not a pop quiz. <laughs> yes, well, you're going to get 100%, I'll bet. So uh, why don't you start? Um, we went to history.com and got a list of uh, just basic facts about Black History Month. Why don't you uh, lay a few questions on me there, Tony? Okay, certainly. Well, let's see. Uh, uh, eminent scientists. Uh, this person developed 300 derivative products from peanuts, among them cheese, milk, coffee, flour, ink, dyes, plastic, wood stains, soap, medical oils, and cosmetics. Who might that person be? Oh, I'll bet you that is George Washington Carver. Absolutely. Correct. 100%. All right, I've got one for you. Okay. This one is a self-made millionaire. Born on a cotton plantation in Louisiana, became wealthy after inventing a line of African-American hair care products. She established her own laboratories and was known for her philanthropy. Oh, yes, that's Madam C.J. Walker. Here's one for you. Uh, this person was a Supreme Court justice. Of course, you, you, should, go, you should get this one. Uh, was the first African-American ever appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court. He was appointed by President Lyndon B. Johnson and served on the court from, I believe it was 1967 to 1991. I remember him well. Thurgood Marshall. Yes, absolutely. Okay, on a lighter note here, this person won an Academy Award in 1940. The first African-American performer to do so, she was in Gone with the Wind. And uh, at the awards, she, although her part was sort of a parody, at the awards ceremony, she presented herself with great elegance and dignity. Is that Hattie McDaniel? Got it right. Hey, 100% so far. <laughs> I think I have one more for you, uh, Deb. On February 12th, 2009, this organization marked its 100th anniversary. Uh, spurred by growing racial violence in the early 20th century, and particularly by uh, 1908 race riots in Springfield, a group of African-American leaders joined together to form a new permanent civil rights organization what is that name? That's the NAACP. Yes, known as the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. Yes, sir. And I've got one more for you. With uh, the current House of Representatives having a record number of women of color and people of color elected, who was the first African-American woman elected to the House of Representatives? Oh, yes, that was Shirley Chisholm. And actually, I had a chance to meet her at one point in my life. Wow. Yes, yes. Oh, she's a great role model yes, for, absolutely. for all of us. So let's talk about Black History Month. So often, that list of facts that we just went through is the full content of Black History Month for many of our students in a lot of schools. And uh, that can be problematic. But let's talk about why we need uh, Black History Month and what are some of the pros, some of the... Uh, advantages and successes we might see in a good Black History Month yeah, celebration. Yeah. Well, certainly, uh, it's it's unfortunate that it's only a month, but it does bring into play 
uh, earn some awareness of some of the uh, major individuals or individuals that have made major contributions uh, to black history. You know, so that's always a positive. I think also it allows students um, who can see themselves as mirrors. You know, we talk about mirrors and windows in the classroom, uh, but this is one time that we know that schools that don't talk about Black History Month, in, in that particular month, they do things and students get to see themselves on uh, posters and in books and in plays and in poetry, et cetera. So they get to see some mirrors, some reflections of who they are. You know, that, that's positive. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you certainly don't want that to cease in any way. I mean, you want, you want to always be encouraging that. Another pro here is I think that it requires educators to think in terms of what their students are experiencing and that not only black students are going to benefit from this. Oh, exactly. That black History Month is for everyone. Exactly. And Absolutely. so white educators and educators of color, I think, so often are expected to do the heavy lifting. And that is a job that everybody needs to carry on their shoulders. Yeah, totally. I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, some schools are going to do things like uh, have assemblies that celebrate black experience and that students get to be involved. And so for students to participate in any sort of leadership way in putting forward, you know, another narrative, I think... I think that's always a, a plus in a school. Yeah, and I think the other thing that is a plus, you know, many times uh, schools, they have a very narrow focus of what Black History Month is, and we accept that. But also schools can promote what's going on in the community, you know, community centers, uh, the YWCAs, the YMCAs, and other organizations around in the community. They could collaborate with some of those organizations or, or just basically promote what's going on in the community to even have uh, opportunity for students to have more exposure than just what's going on there in the school. Well, that's right. It's a foot in the door yes. for an organization or for parents to say, okay, listen to us here, look at us here, give us a spotlight, and hopefully that by seeing the vitality of this history and and these activities and this identity, hopefully that will spur greater engagement and presence. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So how about some of the cons? So why are we even talking about this? Um, what... What's the problem with Black History Month? Well, you know, some of the cons to start off with, black history was not created in a month. I think we should be celebrating black history, you know, every day of the year. Um, there are a number of inventions and creations and uh, things that we have done, I say, because I'm an African-American male, and I like to say we have done uh, throughout history. And so I don't think uh, one month gives it just in terms of really looking at and celebrating. So uh, that's one you know, thing that I think is, is troubling for me. Well, and my students would always point out to me, uh, their white teacher and my students of color would say, Ms. Bowman, how come we got the shortest month of the year? Right, right. And, you know, the, I guess the other thing to really think about is many school, when you walk in many schools, black history centers around Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks, and, you know, you could probably name a few others. But there, the movement was much larger than uh, those two or three or five individuals, and that is no way 
way to downplay the significant contributions of those individuals, but it is to say that there are so many others that we should include in Black History Month. What happens with that then is that and this is how I see this as perhaps a tool of white supremacy in some way. I put that in there a little bit facetiously, but honestly, I, I think you could take that critique fairly to this. A lot of schools and educators might look at introducing those big names and just giving you, you know, that very surface, superficial look at those figures and say, there, check that off. Right. And I think you can see how white privilege plays itself out by who's making the decision of what we put on the bulletin boards for Black History Month or what performance we have and what does that look like in a, terms of a student assembly, uh, what books might be read during that month, what conversations might students engage in, you know, what are school policies around uh, Black History Month, and who is really shaping all of that? Yeah, exactly. I have seen people really literally whitewash black history. So we're only going to talk about these advances like, oh, look, how we, the civil rights movement, there, we did that. Yeah. That's done. We, that's in the past. We accomplished that. Oh, let's talk about Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad. Wasn't that great? We ended slavery. That's so something really we can feel good about now. Well, one way you change history is to change the language by which it was created. And so when you start to say, you know, the, the slaves were happy slaves or wasn't that great that slavery ended, you know, you're changing what actually happened and, and how the history was created and some of the, the hurts and pains that people endured. So you're softening the blow to say, oh, it really wasn't that bad. You know, coming up in my history class, and, and in particularly, um, uh, we had a little section on uh, black history or African-American history. And it was always, um, I always wondered, why did the pictures of slaves in my history book, they were smiling. And so the message to me is that, oh, it wasn't that bad. You know, we have slaves smiling. Right. And, you know, I just couldn't understand that. No, if you look at photographs from that time period, and there are many photographs of slaves, especially like nannies with the oh, children, yeah. those people are not smiling. Yeah. Those yeah. people are not smiling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, another example of this is things like, uh, you know, creating some exceptionalism. So, for example, we'll talk about Frederick Douglass up to a point. We'll talk about Frederick Douglass and look how he educated himself. Oh, yeah. Shouldn't we all be doing that? Why don't we teach ourselves to read? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, for an educator to put themselves in that situation and sort of point this out as a role model. Now, Frederick Douglass is deserving as a role model, certainly. He was very accomplished, and I, his work and his conversation and his presence in history is key. And there is a new biography out about him that I heard about recently. This guy had a complex life and complex way of operating in the world, like any one of, uh, you know, true accomplishment does. But for us to diminish him to the person, the slave who taught himself to read and yeah. thereby freed himself, look, 
that just takes all of the onus off of society. Absolutely. And it's like you can do it because he did it. You can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, and rarely do we talk about the resistance. You know, not too many people know about pit schools. You know, back in the day where you couldn't learn how to read and how some of the slaves, they dug uh, down in the dirt and created pits and they put brush over the pits late in the evening, and there were others that would come in and teach those individuals how to read. You know, that was resistance. That was resistance. And we had other people across the aisle that were our allies that were teaching uh, against what the norm was at that time. Right, and when black history overlooks that, when that sort of information doesn't come forward, when black history just skims across the surface and puts that on a checklist of there's something I've accomplished. Now let me move on to the real history, the oh, yeah. real curriculum. Then we've done damage. Yeah. We've yeah. done damage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about uh, standards. So um, given all of this, uh, there's nobody that's going to stop, uh, you know, do, doing Black History Month or stop celebrating Black History Month. But uh, there are some standards and some ways to look at how to have a, a quality Black History Month experience. So um, you already mentioned one of those, Tony, about who's leading. Yeah, who's leading. I think it's very important to make sure that, you know, we see mirrors out there in the front. And I say we see mirrors. We see people of color, people of the global majority that are taking leadership to kind of shape what that looks like. And they have voice and making sure. And student voice is very, uh, very much important. Right. So those are two standards. Who's leading? Uh, student voice and ownership. Another one would have to be infusion and connectedness across the curriculum so that this is not this standalone and, oh, this is the only month that we're going to hear about this. Absolutely. This is a month that we take special focus and special celebration, but Good Black History Month extends all year long. Yeah. And what does that look like across cross curriculum? You know, what about the, the black mathematics? and the scientists and the historians. You know, so often we focus on the, just the civil rights leaders, you know, the Martin Luther King and the Ralph Abernathy's and the Lerone Bennett's. And, uh, and that's not to take anything away from those individual accomplishments. But if we start to look at, across the curriculum and the music and, and music and the arts and, you know, and some of the other areas that I mentioned. And that certainly that we don't wait until February to introduce right. some of those figures and ideas. Is and that we don't stop. Yeah, it shouldn't March. be a rush job in just putting it together. Yeah, I agree. Agree. Another standard is that um, it goes from an event to a movement. That it's not just within a moment, but it's a movement that allows us to take action and move forward. Right. And it doesn't stop. You know, uh, many times we'll give it a month, or we might infuse it here and there, but uh, a movement is continuous. It's continuous. And there are enough nowadays with technology. There are enough things on the website. You can Google TED Talks. You can Google all types of uh, activities that are going on uh, so that it does become a movement and it's not just an event. And if you're listening to your students, chances are you have students who are involved in action. Yes. Where are they involved? What are the organizations that are lifting up our students of color how can we bring that into our classroom and invite greater invitation yeah, to, the, yeah. to participation? Yeah, great standards. All of that is important, definitely. 
Um, the last standard that we were going to talk about is um, the idea that uh, ethnic studies should be embedded in every single school. Yeah. So um, not only do we have it embedded within our curriculum, but that we also provide students outlets for if they really want to focus and go in depth in that, that we provide those courses or that we provide those outlets. Yeah, absolutely. You know, another place that we often overlook is the library in schools. You know, we can start to subscribe to a number of different books and magazines that just keeps the movement alive, that students can come in and things around the walls that, you know, they can see that, you know, we are really serious about this movement. Right. I've been fortunate to work with librarians who are great about visually putting those images out there and making sure that those authors of various backgrounds and identities are available and highly visible to students. You can't walk through the library without saying, here's an opportunity. Absolutely. So one of the things we like to do is talk about resources for social justice and education in each episode, and one that could really help teachers in uh, looking at a topic common in Black History Month, Dr. Martin Luther King, and deepening your understanding of him and his life is the movie King in the Wilderness. You've seen that, haven't you, Tony? Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, so this one was um, made by HBO. It's a documentary. It chronicles the final chapters in his life, and it demonstrates that he was more than just what we've seen and been presented in our sort of uh, superficial look at him. He is a conflicted leader. There is an onslaught of criticism from both sides of the political spectrum for him in his life. He was, um, in addition to leading for civil rights, he was also an anti-poverty leader. He was also an anti-war leader. The Black Power Movement saw his nonviolence as weakness. The president saw his anti-Vietnam War speeches as irresponsible, and yet he never wavered from his belief in peaceful protest, and that became a testing point for the whole nation. Yeah, yeah. You know, that just all of that kind of moves me, because as you know, I attended Morehouse College, and uh, the King family is very connected with Morehouse, so we had many of heart-to-heart conversations with Dexter King, with um, uh, Dr. King's sister, with Dr. King's father, and so... I'll just leave it like that. Yeah, yeah. It's an emotional experience yeah. to to watch this movie and to see him and his his struggles, the the reality of that. Well, uh, quite an episode, and thanks again for uh, just being a part of this and the work that you're doing. Uh, this has been Tony Neal, your host. Thank you, Tony, for your work and leadership. Uh, I'm Deborah Bowman, today's co-host and the podcast producer and director. Bringing you Just Talk, Educational Equity. We appreciate that you joined us for this episode and invite you to share your comments, questions, suggestions on our website at EEC, the number four, justice.com. And leave us an email there on our contact page. We're looking for student writing on social justice topics to include in each episode. So contact us at the website if you have an interest in contributing. You can also see the video of today's writer reading their piece along with a link to Youth Speaks. That's EEC, the number four, justice.
We also invite you, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please find us on iTunes and leave us a rating. It makes a big difference to help people find us, and we appreciate your support. In our next episode, we will be expanding our discussion of making Black History Month relevant and meaningful by looking at the Black Lives Matter at School movement. We have a special guest, and I think you're really going to enjoy his interview. We hope you join us for that. Just Talk has been brought to you by Educational Equity Consultants a company that provides training to build the capacity of individual schools and other organizations to address racism in ways that enable all people to reclaim their inherent intelligence and nobility. Recording, editing, music, and logo provided by Alvin Zamudio. So if you're a teacher or school leader, a student, a parent, or a community member concerned about social justice, please remember, just Just talk. talk.